This is a HeadGum Podcast. Good One is brought to you by Spotify. To subscribe to our show, search for Good One, tap follow, and get every new episode delivered to you. Podcasts on Spotify, they're streaming right now. Oh, hey, this is Good One, a podcast about jokes. I'm your host, Fulcher Senior Editor, Jesse David Fox. This episode's guest is David Cross, and his joke is Squiggles. For those who don't know, Squiggles was a turn-of-a-millennium invention by fast casual chain Cosi. They were bagels, but square. This seemed very annoying and stupid to David, so he'd talk about it on stage from time to time. However, on one fateful short film shoot, the joke would change forever and ever, as David found Cosi marketing materials. The result is one of the funniest, silliest bits of his career. Though, as you'll hear and we talk about, there is a a specific part earlier in this recording of the joke that uh, does not totally hold up to the test of time, uh, if it really ever did. Via Squiggles, we discuss the, the value of silliness in the first place. In the interview, David points out that despite being, you know, the co-creator of Mr. Show, to this day, as he prepares for the Okamon World Tour, some will consider him a political comedian. When in reality, for him, it's about balancing political with personal with the silly. It's something that became that much clearer for him, as we talk about, after 9-11, when Squiggles went from being a bit he did around New York City to how he ended his shows on the Shut Up You Fucking Baby tour. So, here's a recording of Squiggles from that tour. If you have time, I suggest you watch the video of it so you can see his face. But for now, just know he's holding up a poster for Squiggles. Enjoy! Uh, one last thing before I go. Um, one, one, uh, my other, the other thing that really fucking pisses me off and makes me angry is um, there really is a, a, an ever-increasing growing list of things that make me angry, as I, I realize as I do these shows, um, uh, is niggers. Now, here's the thing. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, what if it just took this weird turn all of a sudden is like, what the fuck? <laughs> all right, we've been dicking around for two hours now. Let's cut the crap. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. So one of the things I, I hate is like stupid, really stupid products that are, like their existence is predicated upon a false premise, you know, like they don't need to fucking exist and they're pushed on us like they, you know, ugh, there's tons of shit like, um, do you guys have that uh, infomercial for the egg wave? Do you have that up here? Yeah, that's a perfect example. Like just this nonsensical thing, some asshole, you know, on fucking disability came up with in his shed, you know, and now he's trying to make some money. It's this idea like, the egg wave, finally, a way to make it, you know, it's a way to make fucking eggs in a microwave, you know? And it's got these, you know, it's got all the, and there's tons of products like it where this guy's trying to cook an egg and he can't somehow cook an egg. The egg is defeating him. I don't, you know, in in fucking 2,000 years of civilization, I can't, no man has not conquered the egg, you know? I can't seem to make it work. I, there's got to be a better way. You know, 
Yes, the egg wave. Finally, you can, you know, it's just this ridiculous, nonsensical thing. That, uh, you know, and there's tons of them. All the infomercials are, you know, a way to spool up your, you know, fucking uh, hose, you know, your lawn hose. Like, you know what, just fucking wrap it around. What about this? What about the old sailor thing? What happened with that? You know, I mean, unless you're a fucking 90-year-old invalid, then fucking wrap up your fucking hose and move on, you know? Stop your bitching. Anyway, and this is... Not really in that category, but it's sort of like it. And this is a, a, about a product that is like kind of geared towards being cool. Like it's a cool spin on an old thing. <laughs> like we took this thing that I'll show you in a second and fucking totally hippified it. And here's an example, and I hope all y'all can see this, but um, of just this kind of thing that I fucking hate, and it's clearly it's unnecessary and people buy it people fucking fall for it they go cool that's cool i want to try one of those you know all right so here it is all right it says what's for breakfast at cozy Let's see bagel it's small type of a Plain, plain, plain bagel. It's, it's nothing. It's nothing much to speak of. Is um, what's for breakfast at Cozy? I, I, I assume it's bagel. I don't know. I don't know. I would assume it's bagel because most places have bagels, and I don't. Why are you? It's kind of it's a bagel, right? Nah, dude. <laughs> Not a cozy. Not a bagel. Try squiggles! Square bagels! That's right! Square bagels! Yeah! Look at that shit! It's square, not round. It's hip to be square! Remember that shitty song by that shitty band 20 motherfucking years ago? That's right! Squiggles! Don't be oppressed by the tyranny of round. That's bullshit. That's for your old man, man. Hey, old man. Hey, grandpa. Here's you and your bagel. Hump, fall, roll away. Boo-hoo. Uh-uh. Here's my generation's bagel. Fall, roll. It's right there. Right there. It's square, motherfucker. Fuck you, motherfucker. Thank you guys very much. I'm here with the man behind that joke, Mr. David Cross. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. So uh, I wanted to back up. To sort of the beginning of the joke, uh, when did you first encounter the the squiggle? What was your initial reaction? Um, I remember I was doing uh, uh, I did a uh, cozy opened up on I want to say either University or Broadway, like somewhere around there, like twelfth mm-hmm. or something, and uh, it that wasn't the only ad and signage they had. It, it was the entirety of their. Uh, sort of pitch to you was that it was this cool coffee place you know or not you know it's fun and then they have drinks at night it turns out what at eight when the sun goes down you know the party starts or whatever um and when i had i don't know what what the chronology is but at some point i was working on this thing with um sam cedar and I can't remember if he was acting in my thing or I was acting in his thing, but it was shooting at um, their corporate 
office uh, somewhere around there. It was above this. Just coincidentally, it's just you were shooting. Co- completely coincidentally, and it was one of those things where we were. It, it was like a Sunday, and I said, "Sure, you can, uh, you, you know, give us a hundred bucks, and you can shoot here." And and then there was never a security guy or anybody from the company, and they just sort of let us, you know, let us in. And and what I said in the beginning is is uh, you know I wish I had been a little bit more um, economic with the words, but um, you know those things do bother me. They're funny, but they're annoying, uh, and and there's so many of them. But and that's just the perfect example of it does it does nothing to enhance your experience eating a bagel. The, yeah. the shape is. And and so somebody somewhere came up with that idea, and clearly it was beloved. And and they and uh, perhaps that person was made partner on the spot. <laughs> uh, this is brilliant. Of course, this is gonna yes. make us stand out. We're the place with square bagels. <laughs> it's just so dumb. Did you, so and initially immediately you were like, oh, this is something I can do on stage. Yeah, yeah. Well, th- certainly the idea. Um, uh, I would have talked about it, and and I, I would have done it uh, in New York. And when I was um, and that tour that from uh, Shut Up You Fucking Baby came from a a very brief tour initially. Um, I just did like fifteen places up and down the eastern east coast, and uh, uh, with no intention of ever recording it or doing anything. I was just uh, it was me and a friend's band, and we just went, mm-hmm. you know, because it was something to do. And uh, I was literally heading to the last gig in Savannah, uh, Georgia, and my phone rang, and people from Sub Pop who I'd never met before uh, said, "Hey, we're uh, we're fans, and we were wondering if you have any uh, desire to I don't know do a comedy tour." And we said, "And was like I'm literally on the last day." And it, <laughs> the 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 happenstance was pretty uh, amazing, and and so we put uh, put that tour together, which resulted in mm-hmm. "Shut Up, You Fucking Baby," and. Um, and just doing outside of that stuff, I would just do sets, you know, wherever, you know, if I was, uh, but mostly in New York, I was living in New York. And, uh, um, so it was a kind of easy thing to just reference. Hey, have y'all seen that cozy, that place cozy? It's, yeah. uh, it was the old Starbucks and now, you know what I'm talking about? And people go, yeah, you know, and I would just talk about it in, in, in much more of a conversational way. So, so like the first time you'd go up, you're just like, I have this thing. We'll just talk about cozy. Yeah, but then, minutes. but I talked about it. But then when I had the poster, now it became. Also, you would talk about cozy just when the cozy opened up, before even you had any. I'm, I'm guessing I did. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming uh, it's the kind of thing I would have walked by. And and when I was doing sets in, in New York, I don't know if I would have done it in L.A. without the visual aid. But once I had the poster, then it became this thing where I could. You know, I was slowly unwrapping it, just showing the, t- you know, look at this font and look what the, yeah. what a lonely little bagel. What and and the revealing it was part of the the piece. You know, you don't see that. Obviously, there's no visual to the to the CD, but um, but that's what's happening. I'm sort of unrolling that, and that's their advertising campaign. So so something like that, you would just sort of bring it up, and then sort of over time, just having different ways, and you'd find things on stage. You know. Right. I, I think I, I'm guessing here that I just sort of talked about it because, again, all those early sets um, were just, they weren't, uh, uh, I wasn't building towards anything. I was I was working on other things, probably scripts or something, and like, oh, yeah, I'll go, uh, 
I always love just dropping in at, you know, Luna Lounge or any of those places and doing friend shows and and it was just fucking around having fun with my friends and uh and I always enjoyed it and the audiences were great and um and so I was never working towards anything um and so I doubt I would have done it beyond New York um perhaps I did I and, and maybe but again once um once I got the poster, now it's a bit. Yeah. Now that's sticking. And I can do it anywhere. Yeah. So then um, how did it evolve? Do you, do you remember anything about how it evolved once you got the poster? Of like how you found like, oh, I can wait. I won't immediately reveal what we're talking about. The sort of uh, it, the part it, where you're playing with the bagel especially, it is. It, it would definitely be. Uh, um, and although I am more. I. I I craft the bits more than I did when when I was doing that kind of stuff. I I still mostly write on stage. I have the idea, I'll tape the sets, and I riff within that thing. And uh, um, I would have just come to ninety five percent of everything that you heard there would have come over time just mm-hmm. doing it. And by by the time I remember, they were uh, uh, the the sets I used for the CD were, it was mostly just two sets. It was Portland and somewhere else. And those were really towards the end. So I had, I had, you know, months to develop that bit. And, and most of my stuff is developed on stage that way. So, uh, and I'm sure even there, I was still fucking around and finding stuff in the moment. Uh, and I was pretty drunk. So, (laughs) you know, um, I, yeah, I just assume it, it, kind of grew organically that yeah. way on stage. I'm always interested in comedians who write on stage because everyone has different ways of doing it. So as you said, for, for something like this, and let's pick sort of the line of don't be oppressed by the tyranny of round. Is that a thing of you just said it one time and then you're like, remember? I that. imagine so, yeah. Um, or, I, I mean, I, that also could have been something where I saw it and I thought about it in my head and I was thinking with my stand-up comedy brain and uh, and I probably internally just had some sort of half monologue with myself going like, oh, it's ridiculous. Uh, I mean, you know, and, and come up with it there, knowing that I was going to talk about it on stage. Um, again, I, I'm, I just, th- that whole thing is a bit of a blur. Yeah. That time, that, uh, that CD, that tour, the, the the sets um uh you know it's one of those things where i i would imagine the first set i did when i went up was about hour and 15 minutes and and then by the end of the tour i was doing like two and a half hours and it'd be basically the same base same starting material then over time it just sort of doubles from Mm -hmm. just more you riff on it yeah and that happened uh that, that still happens and uh it will happen on this next tour and uh it happened on Making America Great uh, again. I, I, I started. I, I'm. I don't know the exact number, but I would guess uh, an educated guess. I would say forty percent of what people saw in the first, say, ten shows uh, was gone by the time mm-hmm. I got to where I was. I was when I was taping the special, and then I the CD was from a. 
show two months later. So that material changed. I don't think as dramatically as 40%, but I would say roughly 20% of what I was doing when I taped the special was different by the time I put the CD out. So considering that, is a bit sort of ever finished? Like, are you like, okay, this is what it is? Like, not have, with me. That's, uh, that's, that's probably wondering. one of my... <laughs> well, that's not a good thing. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, as long as I'm doing it on stage, I will, I, I you know, like most comics, there's a, the unwritten rule that you retire your material once you once it's out there. Um and yeah, once I once that I don't do that bit anymore, that's it. That bit's finished. But if I'm still doing it, and I know I know the beginning, middle, and end. I know all the beats. I know the things that I have to say. Uh, you know, you can riff within that. And uh, uh, sometimes you get a little nugget of gold, and sometimes it's just extraneous crap. And uh, um, but yeah, it's never really finished. Finished. That, that's just not the kind of comic guy am for better or worse yeah. You know? yeah so finish for you is whenever you're filming that at, probably not even after you're probably filming if you're still doing set right because you might do shows after that so it's always yeah i i, I shoot in the middle so that i can get yeah. it out there when the tour is you know close as close to when the tour is over i was wondering um you know partly listening back and partly just i that line of don't be oppressed by the tyranny of, of round are you sort of a fan of yourself? Like when you when you're writing, are you like that's really that's really funny? Are you thinking um, about how not like not in a self indulgent way, but you know you I have mean, your I, sense I, of humor. I will I will smile and feel good if I come up with a particularly uh, choice line. Um, I don't I don't remember that one, but uh, that sounds very Mister Showy to me. It's a, that sounds like something like if I was writing a Mister Show sketch, like. That would, you could you could see that bit that I was doing being a sketch without yeah. a person presenting it, but just having this, you know, whatever the context was that we we put that within, you could see, you know, uh, a ridiculous corporate thing. You know, yeah. don't be oppressed by the tyranny of Brown. It sounds it sounds uh, so. Uh, I like that line as a as you know an example of that kind of thing. Um, and I don't know. I, I mean, occasionally I can I can think of certain things where it's almost like an aha moment. Like that's what I that's how I should do it. That's what I need to do. Um, and sometimes it's literally subtracting a single word, maybe an article. Just you just find this thing like, oh, of course, if I do it this way, if I say this, I say that instead of this. Uh, and I'm proud of those moments because those that's the closest thing I have to. Um, responsible uh, <laughs> writing, you know, that I... Uh, and, and look, I'm not happy. I don't think it's a good thing. I just can't sit down and write. I've tried it. And I just don't... It's, it's, it feels forced, and the result seems forced, and it just doesn't feel natural. And, so you can sit down and write for your other things? Like you can yeah, I can, I can write uh, in, a, in a... I can write sketches. I can write, uh, you know... A, film story or TV story or an outline, but when it comes to bits, um, I'm just not very good at it. I was wondering, with this, or just sort of generally, or as it sort of evolved over time, you know, how much do you care about being correct, you know, in a thing like this, like the point you're making is correct, or how much are you also 
um, like the idea that part of the joke is that you care about this thing. You know what I mean? Right? There's a, this is a person who has a strong opinion about a thing that doesn't matter, or this is a person who has a strong opinion and the thing does matter and you should take it seriously. Um, to be fair, I'd never thought of it like that. I never <laughs> thought that that was kind of a layer that was uh, um, being presented, and maybe in my subconscious it was, but uh, uh, it, it's it's way worse to not have that, just have a guy like, you know what I hate? Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> pepper grinders, <laughs> whatever. Um, uh so I don't know what my thinking was. I, I, yeah. I, uh, but what about even now? Do you feel like, and not even just sort of things like this, even when you're doing political material or when you're doing things about other issues, do you feel like? Well, if if it's something that is um, feels like it's shock value or feels like it has that moment of like, oh, or then I don't I don't ever want to do you know, shock value for shock value. Um, and so I better, I better have a point that I end up at and, uh, um, or at least be able to, if you don't see it immediately, I can defend it and say, this is what I'm going for. This is why I said what I said the way I said it. Um, and there were, there were, uh, several of those moments, uh, um, in the last special, um, uh, but I stand by it, and I and I think it's constructed in a way where there's a reveal, where the the shocking thing um, has a point to it, makes sense. So I'm I'm clearly more conscious of that now than I than I used to be. I think um, where you know it was like it felt like you know you listen to it like oh there's a drunk angry comic. <laughs> I was I was curious about how much you care about how the audience responds to your material in that. Right, there's like a type of comedians like the audience is always right. If they laugh, it's funny. If they don't, it's not funny. But like, especially this tour, right? The documentary, there's like a clear antagonistic relationship you have to to the audience. With a thing like this, or just generally, how how do you respond to how an audience responds? Um, whatever, however they responded uh, in that tour. Again, that was. 17 years ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of brought it upon myself. I mean, it was, we were, it was a lot of people drinking a lot and, and doing other things. And, uh, and that's sort of what the evening was. So I can't really. It was a tour that you're like, I'm fine with it being contentious. And you wanted to f- record it in a way where that was in there if it was in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you, why do you remember why you wanted to have that energy? Um, I I I have gotten a little bit away from this, but there was um, it was the same mindset that went into uh, when we did let America let America laugh, which was the video tour doc accompanying that. Um, Sub Pop assumed that I was just going to record like a concert film. And that had zero interest to me. And I was like, let's just get the shitty part of touring uh, this way. I mean, it's a really, it hasn't really been seen that much. I think it's way more interesting uh, that we do that. And it accompanies this thing that exists. It's, it's uh, uh, granted there are a handful of times when it would help to, uh, would enhance to have the visual, but you don't really need that. And I feel like we're ripping people off, blah, blah, blah. 
uh, coming at it from a very <laughs> yeah. purist artist way. And I was fucking floored by how many people were bummed out that it wasn't a concert film. I, to the point when we reissued it, we put on the thing, we put a sticker saying, this is not a concert film, this is what it is. And I, I was really uh, surprised that people didn't appreciate that and and felt like kind of ripped off in a way. And I and I I don't I don't know what to say to that. I mean just I, I think it's so cool to have that other element. You already have that element. Yeah, I'm you already heard you more the jokes, yeah. Stuff. I know an interesting perspective that you won't get anywhere else. And and I I was I was just shocked and, and really disappointed. It wasn't like a handful of people, it was a bunch of people going, Well that kind of sucked. That was a completely different thing, you know. Yeah. Oh. Um but but it was you know and I have those things throughout where I, uh, you know I it, it, there's there's this kind of artistic purity which I'm trying to wean myself away from because it doesn't it doesn't really help as much as you know when you're in your twenties thirties like trying to be purist about stuff. Um, what do you mean like doesn't help? Well, what? like uh, you know as as. Like listening to that bit is hard because, uh, again, I know what I was thinking when I released it that way and what I was hoping for and aiming for. But I'm I'm listening to a uh, a sloppy comic, yeah, you know, and uh, I think it's funny, but it's also irritating to listen to so many. I mean, it's a guy who's clearly sort of come riffing on this stuff and. Part of me goes, um, what do you riff at home and then figure your shit out? And uh, maybe can you cut half of that down? <laughs> you yeah. know, um, so because uh, do you feel like it it gets in the way of what you're trying to do? Like at the no, time, no, no, okay. and, and I think that's the saving grace is that uh, it. Do, I didn't have this bigger, more important point I wanted to make. Um, so that bit again, it's like the your drunk friend at a bar, uh, and I was like, "Hey, this is the evening we were all having back then. This is a little snapshot of the culture, and this is what I was doing, and we were all having fun." But as a uh, a guy with three more specials under his belt, or, or you know, uh, uh, I've I've evolved since then. Um, and again, just just to be clear, I don't look at that and go, "That's terrible." I, you know, I'm not one of those guys. But yeah. it's just, you know, it is what it is. And uh, uh, I, when I listen to it, I like, like, oh man, <laughs> just cut that down, cut it in half, please. It's, it is, yeah, it is. It's interesting that to hear you be like, no exact, like, if that wasn't recorded and obviously you didn't do it, you're like, oh, I could have made that better right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, the com- the comic I am now could could maybe yeah. not back then, but also I was, I was so much younger and having a fucking blast, and just drinking and doing drugs, and we were all, it was it was, you know, it's it's the comedy equivalent of a jam band, and I fucking hate jam bands, you know, and and people love them, people yeah. love them, and uh, I. You know, I'm like, guys, figure your shit out and then come back and uh, maybe knock 80 minutes out of that fucking... <laughs> so in that way, you feel like it it might... Well, at that time, it represented who you were. And now, yes. you, now you feel like that doesn't represent who you are. Right. Uh, we'll be back with more David Cross. Where are we going? Uh, to our sponsor. Oh. Go to them. Who's sponsoring? 
at, at this time, squiggles. Cozy heard we're doing this, and we're like, this is a perfect time to bring back the squiggle. Yeah. Some things were just meant for each other. Set up some punchlines, soup for lunch and me, and now good one and Spotify. Yes, the same app that has millions of songs now also has thousands of podcasts. On Spotify, you can listen to all your favorite shows and discover new ones. To subscribe to our show, search for a good one, tap follow, and get every new episode delivered to you. Podcasts on Spotify, they're streaming right now. And now. And now. And now. And now. And now. We are back, we're with, back with... Di- we're, sorry. Here, you want to do it? We're back with Jesse. And David Cross. And... The other people in the room. Nick. <laughs> and Nick. Um, this was the Squiggles was your closer, at least in the album. I, I generally want to talk to you about like it's a closer after like a thirty minute bit about the Bible. And how- I'm, uh, you know what? I I'm pretty sure that was an encore. Oh, uh, I I I imagine that I cut whatever uh, closer closer thing was. Um, although I don't know, I don't know, but that's why, my guess. Why? So I think. Either it's the the question still I think how do you sort of organize and why would it why would something like that be at the end generally how do you think about how you organize things in order well to so going back to why I uh, interjected and went oh you know what I think this is because very quickly when you were saying that that sounds to me like something that I do. It's the kind of thing I do as an encore. And uh, I think if I go back to the last stuff I did, um, the, uh, what do you call it, restoration hardware thing mm-hmm. bit, uh, that was an encore. And I don't think it looks like an encore in, in the way Especially we cut it. It's, it's just, yeah. So th- whenever I come out, whenever I, I will close with kind of a, a more pointed type of thing, uh, get out. Thank you guys so much. Uh, I try to I try to not segue so much into the end. I just go, you know, make my crescendo into this thing, usually about something, you know, a little bit more meaty. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, good night. You guys are great. Thank you. Go off. And then if they're uh, sticking around and applauding and they want me to come back, then I will come back. And it's usually something. Uh, that's why I guess that. that um, uh, and I don't know for sure, but I would put money on yeah, it. Yeah, I think so, because I think in the – if I remember the track before, you're just like, okay, one last thing, and then you yeah, have this. It's, so that's definitely what I did. Um, uh, that's what I've done the last uh, handful of times. So that that must be what that is. In general, do you think about how the balance of material, like, oh, this is a sillier part. This is Very like- much. Very much so. Uh, you don't see it as much in Shut Up, You Fucking Baby, but subsequently, and and each time it gets a little more, uh, a little, little more uh, uh, easier to to recognize and the last tour making america great again very specific about it this one that i'm about to go out on oh come on again very very the the sequencing is as important an element as anything else and um and i learned that i think just from putting shows together and sketch shows together and and it it really uh can alter in a dramatic way the the way way things uh, feel, the way they're perceived, the way they are responded to, and how the whole evening feels. And um, I'm I always start with a 
uh, kind of a recipe, which is roughly a third of the set is goofy, silly, uh, goofy things that you don't need to have an opinion on, and Mm -hmm. you can just enjoy them. And then a third of the set is uh, anecdotal stuff, like this thing happened to me, or I experienced this, or I saw this, or my wife and I did this. Um, And then a third is... Uh, pol- politics, religion, topical, uh, you know, social kind of stuff, and and it's it it's interesting that so many people uh, feel like, um, especially the last special. I've been called. I've been. I've been um, not in a negative way. Just uh, uh, I think a, perhaps a lazy way, but people think I'm a political comedian, and I'm not, and I, I've been doing a lot of press for this upcoming tour, and people, you know, are just, uh, uh, will just drop it in, like, um, you know, uh, you're doing a, you know, a phoner with somebody, you know, at the Denver paper, and they're like, so uh, you're a political comedian, and, uh, and it happens all the time, yeah. and I, and I, you know, I'm not rude about it, but I explain that I don't think I'm a political comedian, I, I don't intend to be, and I, I do talk about politics, but but it's it's important uh, to have that uh, construction uh, to to have that uh, uh, balance, I think. And um, and I know uh, uh, I know that a lot of people feel, especially with the last special, um, uh, that they walk away going, you know, oh great, another hour of ranting about Trump or something. <laughs> and I've gotten plenty of those yeah. comments and. And I, I can, you know, factually, you can go add it up. Like, no, that was roughly about 35% of the set was about, you know, Trump and Republicans and stuff like that. And, um, and it just felt like that because you didn't like it and you disagreed with it or that was followed by stuff, you know, negative about Christianity or the Catholic Church or Jews or whatever. And... And it just felt like this cumulative thing, but it really wasn't. I was talking to someone about this joke, and they Who? said... Who? Someone on Twitter, I should remember their name. And they were like, they saw you do it on September 10th, 2001. Um, oh, I did, because I hosted Luna Lounge. Yeah. 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 Um, and I was like, that is... God, that was crazy. Man, that was crazy. <laughs> and then, you know, 9-11 happened. So I was... I was thinking, Wait, what? yeah, there's this on 9-11, so September. 11. No, 9-11. Oh, September. 9/11. Oh, and September's the ninth month. I always wondered why it was 9-11. Yeah. Oh, September's all right. 11, now I get 9/11. the nine part. Yeah. How, I, I want to talk about just sort of how does a bit like this change when in a post-9-11 world or, you know, what is the value of it in a set when. What's the bit? This, Was that the squiggles? Well, squiggles. Oh, wow. Uh, and you know, not specifically, but more sort of like, sort of you doing comedy after nine eleven. What is the value of still having a thing like that in it? <laughs> well, I'm imagining if there was ever a application of uh, tragedy plus time <laughs> equals comedy, uh, <laughs> Squiggles poster plus tragedy plus time really yeah. equals comedy. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, it was probably, uh, 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 I'm going to guess that there was a bit of a 
uh, it was a bit of a release valve in the sense of like, here's something silly. Remember these other things for a minute and we can get back to grieving uh, and feeling scared and unsure and angry. Um, but, you know, here's, here's, it, I, I don't know how long it was uh, after that I did a set. It wasn't, wasn't long at all. And I remember uh, I saw Mark Marin and I was deeply inspired and I even asked him, hey man, I've got to go do this show. Can I say that? When he asked very sincerely, um, you know, uh, is it okay to talk about 9-11? He asked the audience, the audience, uh, um, you know, said, yes, you can. And, uh, um, and he was earnest about it. it. Wasn't trying to get a laugh. It was nothing cheap about it. And, um, and it was good to see, cause I had, I had to go do a show. Um, I think and I, 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 it was at Northwestern, uh, of all places with Lewis Black. Um, and I remember saying that and it was maybe 10 days later, uh, and then n- knowing the kind of sort of free form, you know, riffing, I, I guess that's where a lot of that stuff ended up coming from that for just the release of all the stuff. Um, and I, and I was also being very, it was particularly bothersome that Bush was being held up as his hero and like, come on guys. Um, and, so I think the squiggles thing is a very nice thing to have in your back pocket to pull out if it feels like, you know what, I might have uh, stepped over the line, and I rarely say that about myself, but look, you know, we all had different responses to this awful event, and I'm going to pull back on this stuff. Uh, I'll, maybe I'll wait till I can better articulate what I'm feeling, make it funny, <laughs> and uh <laughs> And uh, let's uh, um, let's all remember a simpler, more innocent time when uh, bagels were being marketed to us as square. Yeah, when we cared about something yeah. stupid. Yeah, I mean, it. I, I was just thinking about it because I feel like, as you were saying, that like people were like, "Oh, as a political comedian, how do you deal with Trump or whatever?" I, I do think by people who don't, who aren't in comedy or not sort of constantly, not constantly, but sort of people who are not thinking about comedy that much they're like oh all comedy now must be like either part of this resistance or not where like bits like squiggles or i imagine whatever your, your the modern day squiggles is are you i mean i imagine you're gonna say yes because you're talking about it, but like it is still very important to you to make sure that it's not just red alert all time of like my my set must be part of the resistance oh absolutely not no i and i i don't like Personally, I, on a personal level, I don't, I, nor have I ever been uh, attracted to the idea or enjoyed an evening of fill-in-the-blank comedy. Uh, uh, that seems so awful to me. That you know, an evening of feminist comedy, an evening of gay comedy, an evening of Jewish comedy, an evening of black comedy, an evening of whatever the fuck it is. I don't. An evening of political comedy? Fuck no, 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 yeah. thank you. Uh, I, I don't want to hear that, you know, I, I, that seems so unappealing to me. Um, and it's just, you know, it, it's, it's just a part of who I am. I'm, 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 I can be really stupid and silly and goofy and uh, I love physical comedy and, uh, um, that just occupies, you know, part of the process, the brain, you know. Right before on 
I believe on the album and in and in Let America Laugh, the sort of it's clipped with um or paired with you're reading an op ed from the Atlanta newspaper about heaven oh, is God. real. Oh God, I remember that. Oh and, yeah. And and I actually just wanted to ask about uh the sort of love and hate relationship you have with the South that mm-hmm. comes mm-hmm. through in a lot of things. You know, why was it important then and still important for you to like play the South? Do you feel it's interesting? Uh, and I know a lot of people share this experience of being in a blue city, progressive city, in a very deep red state. And it's a very uh, disconcerting thing as a child. It's less so as an adult, but as a child, it's it's uh, it's culturally it's night and day. It's two completely different ideas of how you should live your life, how one should live their life, and how one should treat others, and what's important and what's not important, and uh, uh, what they believe in, what they don't believe in. They're, they're, they're just completely contrasting, and it's a strange thing for a kid, and, uh, um, and I still can access that part of me very easily, and, uh, um, and, and my mom was really progressive and uh and and raised me with and my sisters with certain values that didn't jibe with other people and i i have uh and it is a backwards it is fucking backwards my the public education that i had in georgia schools i I mean i could tell you just jaw-dropping stories that sound like they should be from the turn of the century and uh and also the the blatant anti-Semitism and uh, sometimes mean and sometimes just ignorant mm-hmm. uh, and racism there. It, I mean, it's just, and, and, and I'm older and, and Atlanta is not even remotely close to what it was like when I was growing up there. And initially I was in Roswell, which has also changed dramatically. But, um, you know, I was, a, I, was a, I was, you know, 70s, 80s. Um, and it was just a different different place it was and it was uh you know i was a very sensitive kid and i was bookish and uh um that's what my generation calls a nerd (laughs) (laughs) um and uh uh but i there are things i love about the south there are things that i just don't find in other places and and it's it's uh and the and the cool people in the South, the creative, cool people are, and I've traveled all over, are the coolest, most awesome people. And the, the people that kind of, uh, when when they were older and, you know, kind of nurtured kids, you know, weirdos like uh, myself and my friends, um, uh, were just the coolest fucking people. And and there are aspects of that that I, that I love and... Um, and you know, as I said, I go home a lot, and uh, and you know, it's it's it, I I don't have uh, the same size chip on my shoulder that I used to too. So I am more uh, I I have less my guard isn't up, you know, and I'm more accessible. And now I have a kid, and uh, um, so I'm able I'm I'm able to not go somewhere that's you know an hour outside of Atlanta that's total redneck and think, oh my God, I'm in, you know, this is dangerous. And I don't feel like that, you know, mm-hmm. um, which also helps. Um, uh, 
Do you feel like Southern audiences are not necessarily more grateful, but are more just sort of, they don't get as much of this sort of dialogue around them? Yeah, I don't think that's specific to the South, but uh, but definitely uh, going back to the idea of being a uh, progressive place in a surrounded by deep, deep red, um, I think those folks uh, um, have that appreciation. Um, and, and it's in great part why the last tour uh, was as extensive as it was. I'll never do that again, um, but I'm glad I did it. And I went to places I'd never been to before. I probably won't ever go to again. But it, but there was a sense of, oh, thank dear, thank you God for, thank you, thank you for coming here and saying this because I'm in the minority, uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But for two hours in this theater, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm in, you know, the majority with all of all of us around. Yeah. So that was a kind of a cool feeling for 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 the most part. I mean, that wasn't uh, 100% of the time, but. Um, uh, you know, and 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 a lot of people will say the that very thing. Like, you know, they appreciate that I um, I'm saying the things I do, and I know you're from Atlanta, and you know, I I grew up in uh, you know Greensboro, or I grew up in uh, wherever, and uh, and it's one, it's it. So I know I know what they're I know where they're coming from. Yeah. Um. So on the record, you start the bit, uh, but just saying by saying just one last thing, and then uh, you sort of go into a sort of fake racist rant, and you say the N word. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not like trying to get you, like, oh, you said the N word, and I found it. But um, well, that is hardly the only and, example. <laughs> I know, but I, I was reading an interview with you from a few years back, and you're talking about online commenters, and you say the ones that annoy you the most are the people that say you're racist. Um, but I, I felt like it'd be useful to sort of like explain why this, you find it funny and what are the point is, uh, this sort of a reverence to words and towards, I guess, racism in that way. Um, th- there's two different things there, uh, and I'll address them in order. Uh, no, I'll address them actually out of order. I will, uh, say that, um, I will never uh, uh, and, and this the, this is a part and parcel of that idea I will never if I'm doing a racist or if I'm uh, or if the idea of the bit is like oh shit he's racist then or if I'm imitating or if I'm quoting somebody I got in trouble uh, to three whatever it was the the the, the Strom Thurmond thing or whatever that was, that whatever that bit was. Uh, and that's how those people talk. And I grew up around it. And n- there's no white racist that uses the phrase the N-word. Yeah. And if I'm going to convey that idea, then I have to use that word. And I'm not shy about that. Um, it's uh, uh, certainly in the last, I don't know, seven-ish years, it's become uh, way more weighted uh, as the um, prevalence and the uh, uh, just the the kind of understanding that we're going to use this phrase now, the N-word, which I think is childish and uh, uh, um, 
it it just it's a we it's weird to me. It's like people sort of pretending that this thing. Look, we found this phrase that uh, that immediately conjures up what the word is, uh, uh, and it's just like this weird uh, kind of Pollyanna-ish uh, application to this bigger problem. And it and and but ultimately, I need to defer to the vast amount of uh, anybody who's offended by that, whether they're white or black or, uh, you know, what, whatever, whoever they are, if they're offended by that, I have to at least recognize that. Because if I don't, then I'm just going, then it's like, fuck you, I'm going to say it to piss you off. And I'm not saying it to piss people off. And I think... I mean, you you could point to maybe nine, ten times I've used it. I've used it in a certain context. That was obviously something I riffed uh, in the moment that made me laugh. Uh, and just the kind of shock of somebody, you know, like wouldn't it, you know, wouldn't it be funny if I just went on this twenty minute <laughs> yeah. rant? And you're like, what? And and uh, and a decade later, longer, I kind of explore that thing. I did a movie called Hits. I uh, wrote. And the main character in it, uh, um, it's about a number of different things, but one of the main things that movie's about is how people will rush to uh, say, this guy's got it. He, and they will not do any of their homework and will prop this person up and without really talking to the guy. And then upon uh, you know further examination the guy has some really warped yeah. fucking values and i feel vindicated by that thing in the movie which which i also got shit for uh by the turn that character takes where it's revealed he feels this way um because i think less than three weeks after that movie came out the bundy ranch guy who was being on live tv sean hannity we love this guy this guy represents america etc cetera, etc cetera, but he was the hero and then he went off of this complete racist <laughs> thing uh, uh you know the negro and the coloreds or the you know and everybody was starting to backtrack and that's exactly what i was talking about and i couldn't do that in any other way and and uh the weakest representation of that idea is the joke that you you played because it's just a riff and it's uh there's no real point being made it's uh it was just like wouldn't that be funny if i did that you know um but in the other uses uh um that's how people talk so that's the word they use so that's how you can't have a racist go you know use the phrase the n-word they don't use it yeah it would the impact of your vitriol would be lessened if you're made them seem like a at least like a more cartoonish version of themselves where for yeah. some reason they said the n-word like you want to convey this is what they are like this is who they are this is what i grew up around these are they're out there now yeah i mean they're emboldened you know in the last uh, two years have only been more emboldened so you know uh these are people who who call obama a nigger and then get upset with him bringing race into it and <laughs> dividing America. I mean, that's the mentality you're fighting yeah. against. So, yeah. Um, you know, by the time this album came out, you were, you were already doing comedy for nearly 20 years, give or take. Really? Yeah, I Wait, mean, it came out in 2002, so I guess maybe. So. 
Yeah, I get. I mean, right. Uh, yeah, seventeen. I I literally the first time I went up was the week before my eighteenth birthday. So, um, yeah, I mean, close. Yeah, but and I mean, also I was. I didn't know what the fuck I was yeah. doing for the. First. I'm right. It, and but like and vaguely, you know, like it's it's been seventeen years or so since this. I mean, in so much is that's crazy, man. That's uh, that's hard, hard to believe. Seventeen years. How do you think? You know, you've grow you grew to that point, and how do you feel like you've grown since then? You know, like there is such a clear parallel to the amount of time. Well, I think uh, uh, up to the point of shut up, you fucking baby, your your is is more about the development of me as a person, um, and I I really didn't work that hard on my stand up, and uh, um, and from. Shut up, you fucking baby. Which, uh, no, you know, not to pat myself on the back, but had more of an impact than I ever would have imagined. I, 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 I I'm very happy and proud, uh, and a little surprised at how much of an impact it had on people. Um, and I think in some ways there was that, like, oh, somebody's talking about this thing, you know. Uh, but even beyond that, uh, and then, and then. To where I am now, that's that's about less about me as a person and more about me as as just becoming a better stand-up, I think. And also looking at that, and I mean, you saw my initial reaction when I was listening to it. It's like, oh god, and I haven't, really haven't heard it. If something comes on Sirius Radio and it's my voice, I mean, it's I'm out by the second syllable. I'm going to turn yeah. it off. And uh, uh, and so I, I'm I'm I I. I think I've just started work appreciating uh, stand up more. It was it was fun. I loved it. It was fun. I'm talking about like what everything that came up prior to that. And I also I wasn't that successful yet. Uh, I mean, I was I was at the very most a kind of under the radar culty hmm. cult comedy guy and. Uh, you know, don't forget, Mr. Show took years and years. It wasn't, I mean, people loved it when it was out there, but that was a tiny, tiny amount. And mm -hmm. it took a long time for people to find it. Um, this was pre-Arrested uh, Development. So I'm a different person because of the career I've had and the success I've had. And um, I've never lost my love for stand-up or appreciation of it. And I have a better idea of, of what makes me a better stand-up and what makes me, uh, you know, the funny drunk guy at the bar and uh what is the what do you th what do you think it is that is the thing that makes you a better stand-up as you said do you could you put it on specific things? i it's 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 more intuitive uh um it's it's more of getting trying at least making an effort to get rid of the uh rambling nature if i if i do ramble it's it's because I'm rambling within the bit, but then I uh, when I'm preparing the material f to go out, I'm I'm trying to edit. Uh, sometimes I don't do a great job, but I'm trying to edit, and I'm trying to squeeze more jokes in there, and I'm trying to make it sound like I worked on it. Because now I'm in theaters, and that's a completely different feel and presentation, and um, and I and I want to. Uh, you know, make that a factor. You're now people are, you know, getting a babysitter and taking, you know, uh, uh, getting tickets that 
you know, fucking, if it's 35 bucks a seat, which I think is pretty good, you go to these sites and Live Nation or Ticketmaster, like people are like, wait, it's $62 a ticket because mm-hmm. of some bullshit service charge or whatever, and you have no control over that shit. And, and these people are spending a lot of money and uh, taking a night out of their, you know, they work hard and uh, getting a babysitter sometimes and, and figuring that shit out. And, uh, um, you know, I, I feel like I owe them more than I owed that audience in, you know, Little Rock. Yeah. Um, did you ever eat a squiggle? <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> no. It, it, I would love to say, uh, of course I did, so I could be true to the bit. Um, it uh, it did taste better. <laughs> I, I What I did was nibble off the corner so it, it yeah. was roundish by the time I ate it. <laughs> so that sound means it's time for uh, the final segment, which is called the laughing round. Laughing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, people. You can, you, there's still time to change it. Uh, there isn't, and people truly, <laughs> truly hate it. Um, but it's too late now. Uh, it's like a lightning round, but yeah, we get it. <laughs> Can you do an impression of yourself? Uh, uh, well, based on what we've uh, just listened to. And fuck, you know, fucking, you know what fucking bothers me, man? You know, you know, here's the thing. Fuck. You know, this fu- these fucking guys, you know. There. Perfect. So uh, last night you did Colbert and mm. you guys did a bit that was. That really? was not planned. People think that was planned. That was my question. It, was any, do you have any idea any of that was going to happen? No, none of it was planned. Well, I knew the lady was going to be under the sure. desk. Um, but the thing where uh, he, I can't remember, it was about Andrew Garfield, right? Or something? You said, because he got it wrong what sketch you might have wrote for on the Dan oh, Carpenter show. okay, yeah. And then he said... Uh, it was either was like, you or Spike Ferris yeah, or something? Yes, I was like, fine, get him the fucking... <laughs> or get him on the show. Yeah, that was not planned at all. And then... Uh, and then uh, uh, but, you know, S- Steve and I, uh, we're not close, but we go way, way back. And uh, um, he's one of my favorite people. And, he, and he's, you know, he's a very sharp, quick, quick improviser. Um, so you, But you knew in the moment that if you go somewhere, he'll follow you. Like you had a I scene. didn't know that he would follow me, but I knew I was in safe hands, yeah. you know. Uh, so, um, If you could sort of, uh, how would you put like being John Malkovich, being John Malkovich style, like be in another comedian's body while they do a set, <laughs> who would um, it be? Just to have their experience? Yeah. Um, I would go, I would... Uh, Cat Williams 10 years ago um, I would say I uh, you know uh, those first couple of specials are fucking great I love Cat Williams um, uh, that last one was ridiculous but, uh, uh, god damn it there's, they're just some of the best and his he's just such a uh He's both self-deprecating and confident at the same time, and has this great energy and great quick wit. And uh, um, uh, and I and I would also it would be, even though it's it's familiar territory, it would be interesting to 
be in Bill Hicks' head when he was at, you know, the, uh, you know, the Laughing Hutch in Bloomington, mm-hmm. Indiana, and people were not into it. Um, Just be, to see how he processed yeah, having um, people being not into it. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite joke joke, like street joke? Yes. It was told to me by Harold Ramis, uh, which makes it even better. But it's truly one of my favorite jokes. Um, guy's walking down the street. He's got a Band-Aid, uh, like, right just under his eye. He runs into a friend. Um, they're like, hey, man, what's going on? How you doing? Uh, good, good. Uh, what? Why the Band-Aid? What happened to your eye? Oh, God, it's crazy. Uh, I was doing tarring uh, uh, my friend's roof. It's about, you know, five floors up. And uh, I accidentally, uh, long story, but I stuck my foot in this hot tar uh, uh, and spilled the tar. And then I ended up, uh, um, luckily I had waders on, so I didn't get it on me. But then I, I, the momentum sent me backwards, and I fell five stories off the roof, landed on a... Um, an awning, and the awning kind of uh, cushioned my fall, but bounced me up, and I went out into traffic, and, and you know, uh, uh, you know, Memorial, it's, a, it's, you know, constant traffic, and a uh, fucking semi, I land uh, in a semi truck, oh my god, yeah, well, it was, it was uh, transporting uh, goose down, so I ended up uh, in the, uh, like, landing on this goose down, and then the back, because of the impact, the back thing fell off. I rolled out. Traffic's coming everywhere. Uh, I end up uh, um, uh, in this carpet tube, roll out to the side of the road, and come to a stop. And, uh, um, you know, all I ended up with was this scratch. It's like, oh, my God, you must be the luckiest man alive. Uh, no, no, that's Jim Belushi. <laughs> Harold Ramis told me that joke. I loved it. It's a good one. That's it for another episode of Good One. David Cross's Shut Up You Fucking Baby is available wherever you stream music, comedy, etc. His Oh Come On World Tour kicks off on June 15th. For more information, go to officialdavidcross.com. Follow David on Twitter, at David Cross, with three S's. Good One is produced by Nick Rad. Justin D. Wright did our theme song. Write a review and rate the show on Apple Podcasts. And hey, if you know anyone who might like the podcast, maybe tell them. What the heck? You can email any comments, questions, or laughing around suggestions to goodonepodcasts at gmail.com. I am Jesse David Fox, and you can follow me at Jesse David Fox. We'll be back next week with a new comedian and a new joke. Have a good one. That was a HeadGum Podcast.